It's time again for Three Point Podcast. Three sports guys, three generations, and three hot takes. The triple threat includes baby boomer Ted Patel of Z92.5 The Castle. Our Gen Xer is Matt Burns of ESPN and the SEC Network out of Charlotte, North Carolina. The millennial man is Jared Patel of Valley Sports Detroit. Comments and questions can be sent by email to threepointpod at gmail.com. Follow Three Point Podcast on social media at Three Point Pod. The fellows will get it rolling right after this from our partners looking to buy items online go to crauctions.com all you need to do is download the app to your phone or computer and start buying and selling today crauctions.com will market your items all over the country and get them sold if you are looking to buy something we can help with that too just go to crauctions.com search our inventory and place your bid plus there are online auctions for farm machinery firearms automobiles and truckloads of overstocked items it's fast, it's easy, and you will get results. Get the app and check out crauctions.com today. Rivals Tap House and Grill is the area's go-to spot for the best in food and drink. Meet up with your friends and catch your favorite sporting events on over 20 high-def flat-screen TVs. And our 120-inch projection screen. Rivals can handle your larger, small parties and is an awesome spot to put on your fundraising events. Weekly food and drink specials including gourmet burgers, wings, pizza, homemade soup, and salads. Rivals also stocks a large selection of craft and domestic brews. Rivals Tap House and Grill, the official gathering spot of Three Point Podcast, located on the corner of Shiawassee and M21 in Corona. Well, we have a very special MHSAA March Magic uh, program for you here today. We'll be talking hoops with two of our favorite coaches, Kyle Clough of Rockford and John Fattel of the undefeated 20-0 Freeland Falcons. And our partners include Crow Real Estate and Auction, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, and the Wash of Owasso. Fellas, you know, this is uh, this is one of my favorite times of the year. You know, it's the first week of the districts on the boys' side, and, you know, we usually pack in at least four or five games that first week, so I'm going to be pretty busy on top of this podcast, but uh, it's always a lot of fun. I think one thing that makes it cool is it always comes, I mean, like in, in college basketball, the women's conference tournaments are going uh, this coming, there's a couple men's tournaments going, but this coming up week is when the men's conference tournaments really start going. And it's almost like high school is like a little bit of a teaser for mm-hmm. college basketball, March madness, you know, it, it kind of like gets you going for it. So that's kind of what I always remember. And then obviously the playing days, just getting to play in, in the districts and then beyond is, you know, just a completely different experience, but it, it is really, really cool. It, it is the perfect lead in. I remember um, when I was in high school that we lost like in districts. And I remember like the silver linings was, Hey, at least next week I get to watch like March madness. Totally. I'm undis- disturbed. Um, but no, there's something in the air, something magical. You can't, it, it's what we love about the tournament. It's what we hate about the tournament is it's so many crazy things can happen both in high school and in college. So that's why it's the most fun. And that's why everybody just is, it's like, there's a new juice in the air. I feel like Michigan knows it's uh, March because finally we have a couple nice weather days as well. Yeah. The sun came out, right? Oh, it's going to be 60, 63 <laughs> today here, man. All the snow's yeah. melted already. And uh, it's just a teaser though. We're going to get hit again. I'm sure. Uh, I think that, it is part of, I think the weather thing is part of it. It's kind of like we always talk about with the masters mm-hmm, when the masters yep. come around, it's like, Ooh, summer is right around the corner. It's kind of the same with March madness. It feels like, feels like winter is going. Yeah. Like you said, Ted, you know, that Michigan always teases you in a few weeks, you're probably going to get another snowstorm or something. Oh yeah. But, 
Well, you know, we're going to be talking big time on this podcast, high school basketball. Matt, obviously, out of the three of us, uh, your high school days took you the farthest as you went all the way to the Breslin Center. Uh, I, you know, I don't know if your greatest memory from that year was uh, the win in the in the semifinals or just playing at Breslin. I mean, Jared, did you make it even to a district final? I made it, I made it to one district final. Yeah, I made it to a district final my uh, senior year. Heart, heartbreaking, heartbreaking loss. Yeah, yeah, I remember, you know, we didn't have the greatest team. It was my junior year, but we beat, uh, I think we beat Holly and beat some other school to get to the district final. It was at Fenton High School. And I just remember how cool it was because in the gym, you know, they turned out all the lights and had this big spotlight on the uh, player introductions at the beginning. And I thought, man, that was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, well, when you talk about memories, I'm not going to try and take over the segment, but this <laughs> that that whole run, I could list... 10 different things that are my favorite memory. You mentioned in the player, uh, the, the introductions, the day that we went to Breslin to play in the final four, we had a pep assembly at the high school that like the whole community was invited to. Like it was the second half of the school day. They just stopped school and it was a huge production. I mean, they had video, they had basically like a PA announcer for it. And we did player introductions. There was smoke, you know, our, our coach, you know, Jared's dad did this whole, like a good long speech and stuff like that. So that was pretty awesome. Made us feel like we were like Kings of the city or something like that. So that, that was cool. But honestly, like it was just the whole, like the whole run, the community support that we've talked about on this podcast a number of times with Corona and obviously a, a, a number of other communities, but our, our stands were packed. I mean, packed top to bottom in every bleacher that every school we went to our, you know, Corona for our home games. Also, the community support was just incredible. And so that was cool to see one thing that that stuck out. So yesterday, obviously, we're recording Sunday. Saturday was Coach K's last game, last home game at uh, Cameron Indoor. And, you know, that's just a legendary arena. And one of the coolest things about that arena is like the fans are basically right on top of the court you know there's not much space around around the court there and it made me remember one thing obviously much smaller scale but our districts were at durand and if you guys remember durand same thing unless they've changed it i'm not sure but when i was playing the the bleachers were right on the court even your your bench that you sat on the bleachers were right behind you so sometimes you had like your parents sitting right behind i think the the bleachers i think literally the first row of the bleachers are the bench yes i remember right it's still the same too (laughs) yeah so i remember one time i mean it was packed to the gills with fans and everything i mean standing room only people standing all around the gym for that district and at one point i was taking the ball out on the other sideline like our benches were you know on this side on the other side so in and literally it was like cameron you know you always see the video of the the students doing this i was taking the ball out and there were people like all around me and the ref had to like push people back and stuff so you know stuff like that's cool and then just it, like we've talked about with high school football it's like the the memories of with playing with my friends like if we talk, if we get together and talk, if we have a reunion, you know, whatever happens, a text chat or something like that with the guys on that team, that's the stuff that we talk about. I mean, even, you know, 20 years later, we still talk about some of those memories. It'll be cool to talk to Kyle later, who obviously was the point guard of that team. So it's just all that stuff. It's just stuff that, you know, it's never gonna, never gonna forget it. Would you guys say um, Michigan is more of a like uh, basketball uh, state or more of a football state? What do you think 
gets the people going more in terms of high school football is it is a basketball football it i my gut instinct is football but i don't know like we were just talking about something about the air when march rolls around uh, i wouldn't say this for the regular season but when the actual tournament is rolling and you get to the breslin it's i feel like it's it's just got a little bit more magic to it I, yeah I overall would... i agree with that I, yeah. I think i think for fan interest and in watching on television I don't know. I think the football maybe edges it out a little bit, but uh, you, you can't shortchange what they got going on in the, uh, you know, in basketball at Breslin and all that. It's, it's very cool. So, yeah, I was going to ask you kind of about that, Ted. I, I agree with you guys. I, as big as football is, I, I think maybe, well, especially come tournament time, it might lean basketball. I think it's also because there's only four classes for basketball yeah. and there's eight for football. So it's like in, in basketball, it's still really, really, really means a lot like if you win a state championship you know that the team was damn good yeah Whereas football, cool. there's some kind of divisions that aren't that way and you never know what could happen but basketball is still 100 legit right and it's kind of, i mean we, we talked about it with the mhsa changing rules for football and you know our, our differing opinions on that but you know everyone gets a shot in basketball so whether that's good or bad you know who knows but it's kind of cool to think even if you go four right. and 16 in your regular season you still get a shot to go go win a district i mean corona that one year what Six, seven, eight years ago, they had a pretty poor regular like season. Eight and, 12, and they made it... eight and twelve, rolling into uh, yeah, districts made it made it to the regional finals. So right, right. yeah, right. like I said, anything can happen. It's pretty cool. So yeah, I was going to ask you though, Ted. Like, what? So obviously, Corona's state title in yeah. 1983 when they won it was at Chrysler. Now, obviously, you know everything's at Breslin for for the finals. In your opinion, like, do you think one is better than the other? Was it cool to have it at Chrysler? You know where Michigan played. Or, you know, Breslin obviously is a really cool arena, too. Yeah, I mean, it it, it was really cool when it was at, at uh, Chrysler. But I think uh, I think the Breslin's perfect for the high school playoffs just because it's centrally located in the state. I mean, it's easy to get to. Uh, it, it's, it's just a good arena for the finals, I think. They used to play. This is, you know, I go as far back as every uh, semifinal Friday. We used to always go to the Class A doubleheader at uh, the old arena, you know, uh, and that was just an incredible atmosphere back in those days. And it, it, Flint dominated back then, whether it be Flint Central or Flint Northern. Uh, there was just tremendous teams that came out of Flint back in those days when we used to watch the semis. But it, it is it is a very cool thing. You know, if you want to bring a bunch of guys together on a Friday to go watch the top players in the state in the class a semifinals it's a great afternoon you know you get a double header you could grab some lunch in between or dinner afterwards it's 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 kind of a cool thing and now that i'm <laughs> semi-retired i might start making that an annual pr- pilgrimage again it's it, cool it, it used to be awesome every uh when i was growing up it was like our family tradition uh by the end of it it was we'd bring like a group of like you know 10 or 20 of our friends it felt mm-hmm. like but uh me, my dad, my brothers, we used to always go to the Breslin Center on the Friday before the state finals when it was the two Class B games, two or two Class A games and two Class B games. Uh, and that was just an awesome tradition. And mm-hmm. it's just, it's weird. You get a little bit nostalgic when you start thinking about it. And I, I'm lucky enough, and Ted, you're lucky enough, Matt, you still keep your finger on the pulse, but we're lucky enough to still be able to kind of cover it in some sense. So at least we still uh, have that sort of connection still. Yeah, it is cool because... Yeah, you get to see a lot of good talent. And, you know, obviously some of the players do go on to play at the next level. But, you know, you think about just like there's a lot of really good just like high school basketball players in Michigan and all over the country also. But, 
there's some really good players that end up not going to college. So to get to go to the, the Breslin or, you know, wherever it was, Chrysler, you know, wherever it was, you get to see a lot of good basketball. If you like high school basketball, you know, you can really appreciate it. It is fun to do that, go to Breslin and just, just watch all those games. I just it, like the talking about Breslin. I always think about it felt like it probably wasn't. But it felt like it was sold out for our game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it probably wasn't. It but, probably wasn't. <laughs> but, you know, we, we played Grand Rapids South Christian, you know, so a bit of a hike for them, but I'm sure they traveled well. I mean, they did. There was a ton of people there. Uh, but it just felt like, you know, it felt like you were in a college game. That's kind of like the memory, like in the locker rooms with Michigan State stuff all over. There was like Magic Johnson posters, McKean yeah. Cleves posters everywhere and stuff like that. And then you go out and it's just like it feels like you're playing in a college game. So it is a really cool experience. I mean, we we ended up losing in to Grand Rapids South Christian. But, you know, we all we all I, I got a little playing time, scored a couple points. The one thing, though, I it ended up not being in the box score. So I'm a little upset. But at, right at the end of the game with the buzzer, uh, I like the ball trickled to me and I shot a half court shot at the buzzer like of the game. We were you know, we were down. We were we were going to lose. <laughs> But that was like my one shining moment. That was my you one. Made I was it? Like, no, I missed oh, it. Oh, okay. I was just saying. <laughs> no, if I would have made it and it didn't make it in the box score, I think I would have like emailed the MHSA and been like, come on, just put it in the box score. Like, so you're, you said, but you did have a point. Like, that would be kind of funny if that was like, there was no registration that you ever even like played on the court. If that right. shot. So you, but you did have a bucket before that, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone, all of our starters, that is one thing that's cool. We talked about all of our starters scored. So, you know, we're all in the box score. Um, we, you know, we, br- we brought up some, you know, like sophomores and stuff. And a couple of those yeah. guys got in to play. Um, so, yeah, really cool. And it was just like one more quick memory. Like, I mean, I could just go on and on about this. But at, at Breslin, we were in, in district final against Linden. We actually went down like we were down like 20 at one point in, in the third quarter. We were I mean, it was looking pretty bleak. And we went on just like an absolutely insane run. 25-0 run or just something ridiculous again something that like when in the moment you feel like you're in like a sold out nba arena you know but we were in at durand but still like a loud. sold out small loud as hell i mean it was loud in there and going back and watching the video i've got i've got like my, my mom was taking video i've got the game video i've got like a bunch of different videos of it it was it was an electric atmosphere. I mean, like there were there were some moments that like we had a couple and ones and our student sections going crazy and like it's just like erupting. I Ted, you might have been there calling it on the radio. I'm sure I was, yeah. Yeah, it's just like you know, some of those memories, it's just you know, stuff that sticks with you forever, I guess. So yeah, I'm I'm excited to talk to to John and Kyle coming up. One thing I uh, will say is for anyone that happens to find their way down to the Breslin this year for the state finals, you gotta check out this new like I was just there for a shoot yesterday. This new like whole wing that Draymond Green basically donated and they built. It's like, you know, sweet HD. It's right where they basically have shifted the Magic Johnson statue. Like I was like, this place like does not look how I remember it looking. Oh, they Magic moved Johnson it. Statue is no longer like basically in the center of the Breslin. It's been moved all the way by almost where like Tom Izzo's office is or where I've been told his office is. Right. And you walk right in through those doors and it's like hundred foot like uh hd tvs playing like michigan state's greatest memories uh there's like all their different uniforms laid out it's like exactly what a recruit would go and like look at and it was actually pretty sweet i mean state of the art it's crazy how much money is flowing through these college programs nowadays that's that's what i was going to ask so i i've heard about draymond donating and doing this is that what it is it's more like a 
show off Michigan State basketball type of thing. Yeah, but I believe that there's also been like the I think a new practice courts and like oh. new things as well, like a new weight room. I think, but on top of that, it's also been this whole recruit experience, right. uh, which I guess must have turned off at Monty Bates for whatever reason. <laughs> give yourself a ba- <laughs> give yourself a Bally Sports uh, plug here. What were you? Is that what you were doing covering that, or what? what what's the feature coming up? I uh, can't leak anything. Uh, oh, I don't feature yet, but uh, it's it's. Let's just say we're. A uh, player we interviewed uh, three or four years ago that was a very successful high school player who's now on Michigan State. Uh, we're basically doing like, a, you know, comparing two interviews, him when he was like uh, in high school compared to him now, uh, just about to graduate. So it'll, it should be a great story. Great. Cool. Cool. You know, we're talking about the high school tournament and every team gets in the tournament and you just never know what's going to happen. Anything can happen. I mean, I'm going to th- go all the way back to 83 when Jared's dad, John, uh, won the state championship in the districts. I, I think it was even the first game against Duran. Corona virtually would have lost if the Duran player would have hit a free throw at the end of regulation and it went to overtime. And the guy that actually fouled the Duran player, even though John denies it, it was John that committed the foul. <laughs> they didn't call him for it or something? Oh, no, they called him for the foul. And, oh. and he, picture this, guys. Here is me, my dad and my brother George all standing up and we're all shaking our heads going, Oh no, John, John, (laughs) but he got bailed out. They missed the free throw. And then we all know the rest. They rolled on to the state championship. You just never know. What, what's the story. I I'm, I'm trying to remember Jared. I know, you know, cause you, you watched the state title game 175 times. He said, didn't he like rack up a bunch of fouls in the first half too, or something? No, there? there was uh or he was getting cooked. Freddie first, Marshall yeah, was getting cooked. Yes. Uh, yes. Got probably had 20 points in the first quarter. It's, it's, <laughs> it's all that way anyway. <laughs> yeah. That is an awesome story. It is. I mean, now what? I mean, we're we're starting to look at forty years ago that that state title yeah. happened. I mean, that that's a pretty cool like run. Obviously, that we've talked about a bunch. I mean, we had we had basically the whole team on the podcast, you know, a while back. Yeah, so it would be cool. I mean, it, it small communities. You know, it, it's cool for any community, but sometimes like those bigger Detroit schools that win titles all the time, it's almost kind of like whatever. You know, n- not really, but you know what I mean. But like when small communities like Corona or others make a run. It is like a Cinderella story type of thing. It is, it is cool. You know, I just want to go back for a second. Just crossed my mind. You asked the question about having the finals at Chrysler or at Breslin. The one neat thing I always liked about how they did it down there in Ann Arbor was uh, they just had the lights shine directly down on the court. And then in the stands, it was darkened. And it was just that was kind of a neat atmosphere, you know, to have the lights above you on the court, but it was kind of darker in the, in the, in the stands. That was pretty kind of like, like Madison square garden kind of. Right. right. Or the Staples center. I, I don't know why more teams don't do that. I know the Lakers are kind of known for that. I actually know the Lakers, um, their like whole light setup is basically like trademarked or something like that. So no other mm-hmm. team can like copy it. Like the Clippers can't go and do the same exact thing the very next night. That's like basically forbidden. So, I don't know, but no, I agree that it's it is awesome when places do that. Um, but I can't complain about the Breslin atmosphere. I mean, yeah. all I've ever known is the state championships being mm-hmm. at Breslin, and I've never thought it to be a problem. So, it and it's cool. a short drive from where I used to live. So yeah. everything, all that was all good. You you know, you brought up the Lakers, and this would normally be a entertainment thing, but I'll just throw it in there real quick. Like, uh, are you guys looking forward to the oh, yeah. uh, the new movie Winning Time on HBO? 
or the uh, I, I guess it's a you series. Butchered right? that about three Did different I? ways. It's not a. I, I don't think it's a movie. I think it's a show. <laughs> no, I just showtime. I just I corrected myself. It's Is on it called, Showtime. I thought it was though. called Showtime. I thought maybe it's called oh. Winning Time, but uh, okay. no, I thought it was Showtime. But no, it looks awesome. I mean, Adam yeah. McKay. Anything he does is. Uh, great and i actually know that the actor that plays magic johnson is a kalamazoo like college football player former football player played center on the team and then now he's next thing you know a couple years later he's in hollywood playing magic johnson probably about to have his career like take off so pretty cool story quincy isaiah is his name yeah 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 i'm curious to see it i you know laker fan or whatever and to see some of the you know the showtime Lakers stuff here maybe like i'm curious how how deep they'll go yeah are they going to have to sugarcoat quite a bit of stuff? Because I'm sure they can't say everything that was going on back with the Showtime Lakers back in the It 80s should be awesome, though, man. Yeah. I'm not no, sure. Right? I'm not I mean, sure I, they'll sugarcoat it or not. I Ted, don't know. Ted, if this if this show falls, if this show is not great, would you say like your retirement plans for the next like eight weeks have kind of been canceled? <laughs> in what way? I guess I don't understand. I just, I just, it just kind of seemed like you know how you usually go out and mark off what you're going to watch. It seems oh. like the the this show uh, has been taking up a big plot uh, time slot, and it might be uh, <laughs> not that good. No, it's on the list, and I'm sure I'll stick with it th- the whole way, even if it's bad. But I can't imagine <laughs> it. I can't imagine it'll be bad. I really yeah. can't. No, I can't you either. Know, uh, the clips I've seen, it From... looks like they've casted it real well. And what? And the, you know what's important about? And I hate when movies don't do it, like The Blind Side, when you got Michael Orr somehow blocking a guy like 70 yards downfield and like putting him (laughs) over a fence. It's actually, they took a very, uh, they made it very important to themselves to make it like realistic basketball scenes. And you know that if, if this show was good actors with guys who couldn't play basketball, it would immediately take you out of it. So I'm glad they at least got that right. That wasn't necessary. That's such a huge part with sports movies or TV shows is once they actually get to the game, if it looks realistic, because when it doesn't, it's a little bit like, Oh, all right, this is pretty corny yeah. right now. <laughs> well, I don't think this will surprise you guys. The thing that drives me probably the most bonkers on sports movies is when they have play-by-play guys actually doing the play-by-play through the, <laughs> Over the PA co- speaker. <laughs> that's every. That's every, that'll probably be on this show too. How, how stupid is that? Show, I mean, it's just dumb. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it must just be like in like in the production. It's just easier to do it that way. I Instead guess. of like acting like people are listening to the radio or something, right? Or... Well, yeah, it, I don't know. I, I would agree. It's it like, is kind of funny. Show the announcer, show like somebody listening at home or something, yeah. and then act like he's broadcasting it over the entire arena. Like that's hey. all. That's really all that you need to set the stage. Here's one yeah. for you guys. I don't know if I ever told you this. Maybe you know it or don't know it. Uh, I actually did play by play in a movie. Uh oh. Did you ever hear about How does that? How not come up in entertainment tonight? Ah, uh, no kidding. Is it X-rated? No, listen. <laughs> Tony Harness from Corona, another Corona Cavalier grad, after his, uh, his newspaper career at the Argus Press, decided he was going into movie making. And he made a movie about uh, the, the kidnapping and the killing of Don Magyar, the lo- local story here from the early 70s. You guys probably have heard that before. Yeah. Uh, and, and it was called, I think, An Ordinary Killer was the movie but tony called me up and part of the movie uh they they needed somebody to recreate some play-by-play of the michigan state michigan game that year so i had to do a little research i had i wrote down some bullets think how hard this might have been because it was pretty tough to do i had some bullet points some names of the players that were on both teams and i had to recreate some play-by-play 
that they could put in the background. They had a television. They had a, a, a spot in the movie where they were they were in a bar and the Michigan Michigan State game was on the oh. TV behind them and they played my voiceover for that. It was that was pretty cool and I even got a credit at the end of the movie. That's cool. Nice. I was I was thinking like back then, right, much harder because now you could just bring up the game replay on YouTube and right. just watch the game and you know call it. But back then you you probably couldn't do that. You had to just make it up. Well, that yeah. was my that was my 15 minutes of fame. <laughs> That's cool. Maybe we'll That's have it. to watch it and do a, a real entertainment tonight. Uh, <laughs> Does, uh, yeah. Does that movie have a uh, did that movie win a, a Razzie or anything? <laughs> I don't know about that, but it was it, it was pretty interesting for sure. I think uh, I even have the book, so that I don't get any credit in that. But one it, of, it was one fun of the to big do. one of the big Rotten T- Tomatoes reviews is during the bar scene play-by-play of the michigan michigan state game is spot on <laughs> hey i will tell you this if you zip through it you're gonna miss it because i think it was like a it, you know it took me probably two hours to do this thing I, i'm trying to remember back but it was like yeah. a five second clip right it yeah, wasn't much to it hey before we sign off here and get our coaches on i did want to throw one final thing in on uh what has really evolved in high school uh basketball and that's the girls game I mean, girls' high school basketball is just uh, really, really entertaining, right on par with the boys' game. I mean, here locally, you know, we're, we're all Corona Cavaliers. Ellie Tony finished up a, a great career with Corona as the all-time leading scorer, and, uh, you know, she just had a great career. And uh, Ovid Elsie has a great girls' basketball team this season. They're uh, moving on to the regionals uh, for the first time since, I think, 1984. So. Oh, wow. It's really come a long way. And heck, uh, Fowler and uh, Portland St. Pat, we did a game uh, of those two schools in the regular season. Uh, real close matchup. St. Pat beat them twice in the regular season. They were upset last week and got beat. And so now uh, it's Fowler moving on, looking to uh, defend their crown. So it's it's great basketball. That's cool. Yeah, everything we said, we were, we were more maybe talking about the boys game. But everything sure. we said, it's the same with the girls too. Yep. Quality basketball. And you know the community support. I, I'll, I'll claim my in, ignorance on this. Where do they play the state finals for girls basketball, though? Do That's they play at Breslin too, I believe oh, so. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So same yeah. thing there. Yeah. Go go catch a whole full day of of girls hoops, and it is pretty cool. Well, it's that time of year. They call it March Magic in the MHSAA, and uh, we're going to talk some March Magic with head coach John Fattel of the Freeland Falcons right after this. The Wash of Owasso is excited to have you stop into their new and beautiful state-of-the-art full-service laundromat. Located at 809 West Main Street in historic Westtown, Owasso, they're open 8 to 8 for coin laundry or drop off your laundry for wash and fold Monday through Friday, 8 to 5. Too busy to stop in? No problem, as the Wash of Owasso will pick up your laundry right at your door and will deliver it back to you the very next day. Go online to thewashofowasso.com to view their pricing or call 989-472-3322 and schedule your pickup. As a special three-point podcast bonus, enter code 3PP, that's the number three and two P's, at checkout for 10% off your first order. The three-point podcast team welcomes the Wash of Owasso to our blue ribbon list of partners and businesses we recommend and support. 
Nelson House Funeral Home's number one goal is to serve the families in our area. The Nelson House staff are proud to serve our local community with reliability, integrity, and compassion. Unique service representing unique lives, ensuring your loved ones receive the honor and celebration they deserve. Founded in 1880 and continuing the tradition today with chapels in Owasso, Chesanine, and New Lothrop. For more details, find them at nelson-house.com or call 989-723-5234. All right, next up on the podcast, one of our favorites, 20-0 Freeland Falcons head coach, John Fattel. John, I, I don't know. I might slip in a Johnny once in a while. Is that all right? That would be okay, Uncle Thad. <laughs> but anyway, congratulations on where you're at right now. You got a buy. You open up Wednesday night in the districts. First of all, I'll just start it out by uh, saying, man, you got a nice team. We had a chance to broadcast your your squad over at Palama Westphalia. You seem to be strong in pretty much all aspects. I mean, I'm, we'll ask you questions here as we go along, but I think not only talent-wise, but it seems like uh, they have the right mindset. That kind of starts with you, obviously, but it seems like they all have bought into the program and are operating on all cylinders. Well, I think it's very easy just to get, like say, oh, it's the head coach, but like it, it's it's really like a community type thing you know it's like our whole entire community and these kids parents and the kids themselves and the the entire school is bought into just doing things the right way you know mm-hmm. it's just so it just so happens that our kids are are very very talented as well and so it's, i mean just like you read in the m live article like our kids are they've been playing together i mean we have nine seniors they've been playing together since third grade and the parents like send us pictures all the time of them in third grade and fourth grade, like playing basketball, playing football together. And so it really has just been like a, it's, it's the, it's like the epitome of when a really good group starts in second grade and plays all the way up and they stay together until they're seniors. Like they're, they're going to be successful, especially when the, when the community and the parents are bought into. It's funny that you're saying that um, because as as we're talking about this, we talked a little bit before you came on about our memories from, you know, high school basketball, March Madness. And obviously I played for your dad and, you know, we made a run to the Breslin Center back in 2003. And everything you just said right there, I feel like could have been the exact same thing I say about our run that year with Corona, because the community support, it was it was 10 guys who had played basketball together basically our whole lives. We had a couple guys who came over from different schools, but you know, they were like neighboring schools. So we knew each other. We knew each other our whole lives. Um, like you said, the community sport, we, we liked each other. We were together, but then the one thing you said, you got nine seniors. Is that what you said? Nine seniors. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I was just telling Ted and we talked about it. So our, our main 10 guys on that team, we had nine seniors also nine seniors and one <laughs> junior. And the one junior was uh, Dan Hess who ended up going to play at Western Michigan. So, you know, pretty good player. Um, so yeah, how, how big is, so what I want to ask you, how, how big is that? Not only the, you know, the experience playing together and the community sport and all that, but the senior leadership, because just thinking of my experience, the senior leadership on our team was just, I mean, it was, it was everything. It was huge. It, it's huge. I mean, every, like we tell our guys all the time. I mean, I'm, I'm going to rope in every single junior too, but I would, if they, if they're my teammate, I, I mean, I look at them right now as like a leader, you know, it's like they come to me and they want to address something. We're going to have a very good conversation and they are very mature in how they handle things. And there's, and I think the best thing is, is there's no animosity period. 
you know, it, they, we talk about it all the time too with that is like not a single kid cares who is getting the credit, not a single one. And that's the, that's the kind of the joy in all of it is I think that's a kind of a senior laden thing too, is they kind of have known their role the entire, their entire, almost like their entire life. And they just love playing together. And I think that's just a thing with being seniors all the time too. Yeah. Uh, one thing I was going to ask you, it, the elephant in the room, obviously the, the Fatel connection, the thing I have to ask you, I mentioned that, you know, I played for your dad, great coach. He won a state title as a player at Corona. I mean, the easy question is what, what did you take, you know, from your dad, maybe as a mentor to, you know, you as a head coach now, what, what kind of lessons did you take from him? Well, not just, not just my dad, but like you got BJ Jameson, you have Steve Bush, you have Kyle for sure. My goodness. Like, and I think that we all kind of took away just like attention to detail and a commitment to improving and always willing to get better. And I think that's probably the biggest one is my dad. I was thinking about this earlier today because I figured this question was probably going to come up. It's like I remember his classroom door and he always had the constant and never ending improvement all, all, all on his classroom door. And just I think he's always lived by that. And I think he's definitely passed that on to not only me, but my brothers too. And the other coaches that are. Yeah, it's funny you say that, Jared, you can jump back in. But when you say attention to detail, we like some friends that play for that team. And, you know, we joke about things that we used to do back in the day. And you're, we would always have it. I mean, I swear it was like, I mean, you know, at, looking back, it was probably just a couple pages. But, you know, in high school, it seemed like a 15 page scouting report on every team. We would, we would have tape breakdown. And this is back in 2002, 2003. So it wasn't like you could just download highlights and make these like highlight tapes or whatever. So the attention to detail, that is, it's, it's funny you say that because that was spot on playing for your dad. This team seems like it's a, it's a lot of fun. Like you said, they all share the ball. Nobody cares who gets the credit. Um, it's early in your career, but do you think looking back in 20 years, this will still be one of your favorite teams no matter what happens in March? Yeah, because they're a blast to hang out with. Outside of the outside of the outside of the um, basketball court too, we just I was texting one of the kids last night about the Duke NC game, and it's just like just stuff like that. They come see me every single day. We talk every single day, whether they were in football season, whether we're on the basketball court. They are people first, and they are absolutely great kids, and they're going to be great adults when they grow up too. It'll be one of my favorite teams for sure. Something we talked about in the last pod was uh, how teaching has kind of made a, I don't want to say a lot of coaches like leave the profession, um, but it sort of has in a way. Do you think that there would be any way for a coach to uh, have a successful program if he's not a teacher at the school? Yeah, but it would be very hard. I mean, yeah, you could do it. I wouldn't want to. I don't know if I would be in, right. I don't know if I'd be in coaching if if I wasn't a teacher. Just the the completely different time commitment. But I guess I'll look at our girls program. Coach Z, who was the girls coach before our our coach now he was not a teacher and he was he was working third shift so going his mornings were like basketball games or basketball practice right and he'd go work third shift and i mean and then now coach h his program is unbelievably successful so it could it can work i just i just don't know what it looks like yeah you, you talk about the girls i think they won the district right they're in the regionals and are, are moving on but uh, i'm back to you john lost. oh they did lose okay yeah so I was good on my facts again. Real, real nice, Ted. <laughs> uh, but back to you, John. You know, uh, 25 years old, you get the head coaching job. You're now in your third season there at Freeland with an undefeated regular season. I mean, that's just a tremendous accomplishment 
you'll always have that on your dad. You know, he won a state championship as a player, but they lost some games. He lost some games, went to the semifinals with Matt's team, but you got an undefeated regular season. You're three. And uh, since this is year three, those seniors, you know, you had a good share of them on varsity as a sophomore. You must have really been able to, as a young guy, to relate to them right out of the gates and and get them to buy in your program and then look how it's paid off. I mean, how important was that? Well, I think also another thing is when they were sophomores, I also had them in class every single day too. I had every single sophomore in class every single day. So it's not – yeah, it's, it's going to be hard saying goodbye to these guys because we have spent so much time together. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it, it was important to come in at 25. But I think, truthfully, because of these kids, like they would connect – they're going to connect with anyone because they're great kids. Like our teachers around the building sincerely want them to do well. These kids are connected with all their teachers too and all their other coaches. So age, age probably had a little something to do with it as far as connecting, but – they were going to relate to just about any any coach that they had, truthfully. Yeah, some, something I like to ask people, we have a lot of former Cavaliers on at different levels, whether it's coaches or in the media or whatever. Something I like to ask, you were talking about the community support up in Freeland. What did you take from your experience at Corona growing up there, you know, watching your dad coach and then at your playing career and everything? What did you take kind of from your experience at Corona that you kind of take over to Freeland and, you know, translates into your, your coaching style. Again, I think just like the, the attention to detail and just preparation. And then just the constant wanting to constantly improve and grow. And that's something that we just talk about all the time with our guys too. When the coach is trying to hopefully consistently grow and improve, then the kids will too. And I think that, again, that's, I think that's kind of like a Corona thing and a small town thing and just a, a growth thing. Uh, for a lot of our listeners, they might not be familiar with uh, Freeland. Can you maybe roll through uh, your team and kind of su- some of the good players you have and what they bring t- uh, to the table and what you might expect from them uh, in this March run? We start four seniors and a junior. So we start Bryson Huckabee, who is a four-year varsity basketball player and a four-year varsity quarterback. We start Alex Dooley, who is a four-year varsity basketball player and a four-year varsity football player. And then we start Josh Elliott, who's a three-year varsity basketball player who lives in the gym. We start Cullen LeBaron, who is probably one of the best shooters in the state of Michigan. We start Jacob Kowalski, whose dad used to coach at Bridgeport when they went to the Final Four. So he's like a coach's kid, kind of like myself and you, Jared. And then we have Jacob Kundinger, who comes off the bench, who was a two-year varsity basketball player, but a four-year varsity football player and just kind of like a tough as nails type kid and then we have Gabe Blanchard who's about 6'4 6'5 who was who is just a battering ram who's very very solid and continuing to grow and get better and, and then we I mean then we have our our next guys up and then we have uh Garrett Pistro who is a phenomenal kid and a phenomenal leader we have Luke East who as you guys know when you guys see him at a basketball game who's just kind of running the show from the from the bench and a leader in his own right <laughs> You have Grant Backus. We can't. We think he's gonna come to life in the tournament. You have Nate Niederquill. You have Tommy Melzo, Drew Kowalski, who is another phenomenal senior leader for us. And I mean, just kind of the same thing. We number one, our guys share the basketball, and they're constantly getting better in practice, and they're constantly challenging each other and looking for ways to improve. And by challenging, I don't mean like there's ripping on each other, but like they're always trying to get the best out of each other 
and they all know each other and how to get that thing, get that done. You know, Johnny, we appreciate the time here. And I got a couple follow-up questions kind of together here. I know in that M live article, uh, it's been what 40 years since a Freeland team has been undefeated. And there was a get together with some of the players and the coach talk about that a little bit, how important that was. And also, uh, your mindset getting ready for the tournament. Is there anything different in your preparation this year compared to the, the other couple of years? With the 1982 team, our athletic director was actually on that team, and he as big in the Freeland basketball as you could get. And so he brought in his old coach, who was the head coach at Freeland, talking about teacher coach. He was the head coach at Freeland for 32 years. So he had massed like – over 425 wins, I think. So he's just kind of like a, like when you really think about history and he was telling, all right, athletic driver was telling me this, I'm only the fifth coach at Freeland because this guy had spent such a long time teaching and coaching. So he was just beloved. And then the actual, the another player for um, Freeland during that 1982 team was the head coach at, is, is the head coach at Sanford Meridian who we played last Tuesday night. So it was, <laughs> it was to see those guys come in and especially earlier earlier in the week um coach franz is his name came in and spoke to our team and guys to kind of connect the history back to that team i think was cool for our guys but i think it was also very important for coach franz and it meant a lot to our athletic director jeff bell as well but looking forward to the tournament no our preparation doesn't really is not gonna is not gonna change you know it's it's we we attack every single day the same exact way and we attack each opponent the same way as well, regardless of, of who they are. All right. Well, um, you have the uh, the game on Wednesday night. We want to wish you the best of luck in that one, Coach. And uh, uh, go get them, man. We're going to be watching you all the way. You know, we're looking for a deep tournament run. And uh, best of luck from us here at Three Point Podcast, obviously. Success Group Mortgage and Servicing is Shiawassee County's only licensed mortgage broker, lender, and servicer. That means you get exclusive products not found anywhere else. If you are looking to purchase a home or refinance a home in Florida, Hawaii, or Michigan, stop what you're doing and give Success Group Mortgage and Servicing a call. 989-720-4380. That's 989-720-4380. All right, guys, next up on the podcast is another former Corona Cavalier. He uh, graduated with me, played all three sports with Kyle, football, basketball, baseball, and we've talked a bunch about our run. It's already almost 20 years ago, Kyle. We made that run to, to Breslin Crazy. Center. Yeah, that's yeah. wild. Yeah, but some some awesome memories. So we'll get into that and probably plenty more. You're currently the head coach at Rockford. You just told us you're the number one seed in your district. So the first question, Kyle, is, well, first of all, thanks for joining us, but also how you feeling heading into March with your squad going into your districts? Yeah, th- thanks for having me, guys. I mean, I love what you guys do with the podcast and always entertaining to look at the topics you're talking about and and appreciate you, you know, mixing in some high school basketball here. But, um, yeah, we've had, a, we've had a great year. This has been a really fun team to coach. Um, you know, we thought we would have a pretty good team here. And, and before our season started, we actually lost our, our first team all-conference kid and then also a three-year starter right before the season. So there were a lot of unknowns for our guys. And, you know, but we we have some great depth. We had some kids step into some some pretty important roles and really deliver for us. And, you know, we've just made a living off winning some pretty close games all year. So it's been a great team. Um, you know, I feel really good about about where we're headed and what we're going to be able to do this week. And as you guys all know, you know, you got to play really well. Obviously, you got to have a little luck. You got to 
you know, you got to have some, some ability to handle the adversity that's going to be there. And so certainly a lot goes into it, but I think we'll have as good of chance as any to, to be able to go out and uh, hopefully get a win here Wednesday and, and on Friday. You know, we're going to bounce around a little bit, Kyle. We'll talk about your team and talk about your career a little bit. But you you come from a great coaching tree, really, at Corona, you know, starting with, at least with me, Frank Davis, who mentored John Fattel, my brother. Then then you came into the coaching business. You know, it's just been awesome. We had young Johnny Fattel on. You know, he's starting off his varsity head coach career now in his third season. You're kind of now a seasoned veteran, you know, coming through that coaching tree, as I mentioned. Uh what what is the biggest thing maybe that you've learned from being a younger head coach to where you're at right now? Yeah, you know, um, boy, it's it was it was really neat. I got a chance to go over and watch Johnny coach, uh, you know, a week or two ago against PW. I know you guys called the yep. game, and boy, that was really cool for me. You know, I mean, to, to watch how far he's come. I mean, Matt was just talking about 20 years ago us playing. I can remember him being a little squeaky wheel on the bus riding <laughs> over to the Breslin Center. You know, and <laughs> and. Uh, he, you know, what a phenomenal job he's done. I mean, just so proud of him and uh, the way his team's played. I mean, I was driving home that night and I was like, my goodness, I'm at the point now where I got to start getting tips from him versus him <laughs> calling me. So, you know, his team plays with just obviously a lot of a lot of competitive uh, fire and, and he's, they're so well coached. And so pretty awesome, you know, and I'm sure, you know, old John would probably have said the same thing about watching me get started. You know, it's just uh, it's very it's very cool and rewarding to see people that you've worked with and kind of mentored to to come into the, the same profession and, and leads young guys and watch them follow him. And so it's been pretty neat, you know, and, and I still I mean, there's still things on a daily basis that I draw from on, you know, the, what John did with us. And, you know, I think of all the things I take take away from playing for him, it's uh you know, the, the daily reminder to to empower your guys and get them to believe in themselves. You know, I thought John was a masterful leader at that as he, you know, he convinced me that entire year that I was the best point guard in the state. And hell, I wasn't even the top 50 probably. So, <laughs> you know, but that that he had a way of getting you to, to um, outwork your talent and believe in yourself maybe more than you thought. And, you know, I try to do that with our guys, too. You know, you you um, as a coach, I think your job is to see things developing before your players ever see them, both good and bad. And and John was just incredible at that. So, yeah, I take a lot from that and my experiences there as a player. And then obviously when I first started coaching there and you've learned a lot over the years, too. And I think that I think that um, I've become a better coach, you know, having having been over here now for six years and kind of learned to navigate those waters of, of what it takes to be you know, in charge of a big program like this and stuff. So I, I've really enjoyed it. I, I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm becoming a better coach. I think I'm becoming a better leader. And I think that. You know, uh, hopefully we can continue to build something over here where 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 our kids will leave here and go on and do some things like Johnny has, like I did for John. And, and we can look back and be proud on those things down the road as well. Yeah, it wasn't uh, too long ago that you were kind of the young upstart coach. I mean, I remember watching those games, a lot of excitement around the Corona program. You've carried that over all the way to Rockford, building uh, a great program. But what would you say is the biggest difference between the, the coach you were when you were at Corona in your first couple of years? And after all this experience you've had uh, now that you're at Rockford, what's the biggest difference? Is it just program building or is there more X's and O's or what would you say? Yeah, I mean, I think I look back on my time at Corona, man, and I knew nothing. I mean, seriously, like it's, it's you always hear people say that, I think, when you get to a certain point in your career. But I mean, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I, you know, I think that uh, I, I really, uh, you know, brought a lot of energy and maybe maybe some toughness. You know, I think those things didn't require a ton of experience just trying to get us in a good place there. But yeah, I mean, from a philosophy standpoint, there's a lot, you know, I mean, I see things now when I watch film or when we prepare for another team or when I watch our team that, 
that uh, give me direction on what to do in practice and where to go from there. I think I've gotten better at that just naturally over time. But, you know, managing, uh, you know, managing your team and your roster as well and, and role defining. I think that's been one of the great challenges here is, you know, this program, obviously, we've got, what, 2,600 kids in the school. We got, you know, 60 kids in middle school basketball, 30 trying out for freshmen. I mean, we have really good depth and and learning how to manage that and navigate that and get guys to buy into roles uh, has been, you know, a, a big test here. And I think that the last two years, I think that's why we've had a lot of success. We have guys that, you know, for example, two of my starters this year played less than two minutes a game last year on our team. And to have those guys, you know, uh, fight through that season last year, bring it in practice every day for us uh, to keep the faith, to keep the trust that if they keep working hard, it's going to pay off. That's been really rewarding. So I think, you know, little things like that, just learning how to see the program a year or two down the road and what the right buttons are to push as you get there and making sure guys stay on the right path to keep getting better. And then obviously it helps to have some good players. You know, I mean, the other thing I've learned about coaching is that you're, you're a hell of a lot better coach when you got guys that can shoot it and score it and do that kind of thing. So it's, it gets easier, the better the players you have. There's no question. Yeah. Speaking of good players, I was talking to Ted before uh, we started recording and just kind of reminding him we had nine, our, our team, we had nine seniors, only one junior, that one junior ended up going to Western Michigan to play. But I'm sure you remember six of our players made all conference. Yeah. Like that's unheard of. Our starting five and our six man made all conference. Like, like, I don't think that that happens ever. That was, that was probably a low number, you know, to be fair. I think that, you know, I remember John telling us the story a few years later that he walked in and said, Hey, I got the best seven players in the league. You know, it's like, like, that's a, that's a John Patel quote for the the ages there. But, you know, we had guys, you know, like you, Matt, I mean, do you, you, you and I compete against each other every day and, and, um, you know, that's, that, that has been a, a, a nice, uh, comparison to my team I have over here this year is we have guys, I mean, we're, we create environments in practice that I truly believe sometimes are tougher than the game, you know? And yeah. I think that's been a, that's been a blessing for this team that we have right now is that we have, I mean, we play nine guys, you know, and, and, uh, and we have 12 that we carry on the roster. Um, and, you know, I mean, our practices are just incredibly competitive. And so, I think, you know, 20 years ago, that's what made us so good is that, yeah. hell, there were times where we got in the game and it was like, man, you know, this guy's not guarding me nearly as difficult as Matt did all day in practice. It's not even close, you know? So, yeah, it's uh, that's pretty neat. Those are some cool memories and just amazing. It's been 20 years for sure. Yeah. Yeah, another thing real quick that when we were talking to Johnny, everything he was saying about his team this year uh, with Freeland, I felt like I could have been saying about our team. He was talking about how big the community support is that they see over in Freeland. Uh, how he's got a ton of seniors. You know, we had, like I said, we had nine seniors on our our team. Um, he talked about how a lot of his players were multi-sport athletes and multiple years of varsity, multiple years of varsity basketball, multiple years of varsity football. Very similar. I mean, you you and, you know, some other guys played multiple years of, of varsity sports. You know, all of that stuff. How, how big do you think all of that is? The community support that we definitely experienced at Corona. You, you definitely experienced up at Rockford. I, I know how it is up there. The, the senior leadership, the community, you know, how, how big is that whole like package, I guess, to having a successful program? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, you know, it's, it, those are the things that make it special. I remember my dad telling me a long time ago when I first started coaching, he's like, you know, uh, it's not going to be, it's not going to be the championships that are going to be the most special. You think it is as a young coach and you think that finally getting a chance to hold the trophy or cut the net is what it's all about. But it's really that it is that process that goes along with it, you know, and, and watching Johnny from afar, I know it's the first undefeated team they've had in like 20 years or 40 years or something 40 crazy. Years, yeah. Watching the way that their community's rallying behind them. And um, yeah, that's awesome. You know, I mean, that's really special. And, and, you know, like you said, I, I remember 
those are the things I remember about our run. Those are the things I remember is just the, the, um, the pep assembly we had, the way, the way that people would reach out to you in the community after you played a game or when you were getting ready for the next big one. And, um, those are the things you remember, you know, I mean, heck I couldn't outside of Brandon Bell missing that wide open three at the <laughs> regional final game. I can't remember a whole lot of the individual plays throughout those games. Right. You know, I just, um, remember celebrating with our friends, and our family. And so, yeah, those are, those are special to, those are special. And, um, you know, especially this time of year, you know, I think you mentioned the seniors. That's that's something I think that as I've coached longer, I've learned to appreciate more and more. I think that, you know, those guys just they feel the delicacy of what this is all about when you know that, you know, it's at any moment it could be your last one. There's just this different focus and effort and intensity and in practice leading into these types of games. And um, I think your senior senior laden teams in high school always are going to have a big advantage, you know, and we have a couple of good young players. We got a, we got a really good sophomore, a couple of really good juniors and you know, I've had to really talk with them over the last week because you can sense a little bit of um, not that they're not into it, but you can sense a little bit of uh, like, hey, we got a lot of time left here and this is all cake. And our seniors, you can see a little bit of a different look in their eye. And I watched Johnny's team play, like I said, a week ago. And man, I mean, what what an incredible group of, of upperclassmen and leaders and the way they play, the way they're focusing the timeouts. I mean, geez, oh, Pete's it's uh, he's got a really special team there. I'd be really surprised if they don't go make a heck of a run. You know, uh, Kyle, we uh, we hated to see you leave Corona, but we 100% understand uh, why. And you're now successful back here in Michigan up at Rockford. But tell us a little bit about your experience in Hoosier Hysteria when you were down at Seymour and, and the maybe some difference in uh, Indiana basketball compared to Michigan. Yeah, I mean, you know, you always hear about Hoosier Hysteria and, and you don't really have a quite, quite an understanding of what it is until you get down there. And, you know, I remember... Um, you know, I took over at Seymour and, and loved the place, learned a lot of great things there. But, man, we were absolutely awful when I started there. And, and you know, to go in to go into the gym with a team that had won, I think, three games two previous years. And we were uh, we were in a major uphill battle that first year. And you walk in and there's heck, there's almost four thousand people at the first game. You know, I mean, they just they really embrace it. It's it's uh, you know, it's it's something that their their communities rally around. It's just kind of a one of those things you grow up with down there. I think you grow up with this. Uh, this understanding that like that is important. That is really a big deal. And, you know, I would compare it to like Michigan football. I mean, we see that here when playoff time rolls around, you see, I mean, heck Rockford will have 8,000 people at a football game. It's like, you know, uh, those kinds of things just, just are ingrained in you as a young kid. And it was, it was neat, you know, and I've, I've been kind of watching and following some of the scores down there. I know a bunch of coaches still at that time and still to see some of the pictures in those gyms down there. It's just, it's unbelievable what the, what kind of a following those districts get down there. And then, you know, the other thing that I've said all along, I, when I got back here, one of the differences I noticed was I think when you look at a program like Rockford or the big class A schools up here, I mean, heck, there's there's every bit as good of players in this state for sure. But I think the thing that separates Indiana is you get into those smaller schools and, you know, the Johnny Fattels of the world who are just a great coach at a smaller school. I mean, those are all over the place down there. The small schools down there are incredibly well coached. Those small schools put a huge priority on their programs. And there's just the, the, the depth of coaching down there was always amazing to me, you know, when we when we would go against some of those smaller schools. So, uh, but yeah, my time, it made me a better coach. You know, I mean, the team that we had there, I mean, we had to be absolutely perfect to stay in games. And I think as a coach that at the time it was stressful and overwhelming, but I think it made me a better coach. I look for things now that, you know, when I was at Corona, I didn't look for, you know, we had some pretty good players those couple of years and you kind of overlook some of those important small details. But when you know that you're going to get beat by 25, if you're not perfect, uh, you got to really zone in on all those small details. And so I take those things with me, you know, probably to, uh, 
you know, here when we watch film, I probably find things now that I would have never found had we not gone down there and tried to work through that process too. I'm just gonna throw this. This is an off the wall uh, question, but I was gonna save it for the last uh, last question of the interview. But maybe it'll be a little bit of a halftime. So I'm kind of in a weird point in my life where uh, you know, basically, if I want to get you know my hair, it's kind of going. If I want to get you know, a lot of people, a lot of celebrities that I look up to are, are getting these hair plugs, and you know, so I did a little. Oh, here we go, into it. LeBron. As somebody who's you know, basically, I'm at the point where if I don't get them now my hair is going to be gone and uh, I'm just never going to have hair again. As somebody who's gone through this whole process and seen the light of day on the other side, you know, looks pretty good with a bald head. Would you say it's worth the investment? If you could go back to when you were a kid uh, or when you started losing your hair, would you have uh, done a procedure like that? Well, listen, when I was a senior, I can remember getting chance about my receding hairline in Corona. So uh, I was, I was destined to be on this path from the beginning, but um, you know, it was a very, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. It was just a, a very free day when I finally started shaving my head and just got rid of the fact that, you know, what I was holding on to there. And I, I laughed because I was at, you know, Johnny's game and I saw he, he went a little higher and tighter with it. Now he's kind of <laughs> yep. said, Hey, it's time to go. And I don't know. I, I, I blame your dad on that because all of us have a darn good connection with him. And here we are, yep. you know, no hair to show for it. But, uh, I, you know, unless you got, LeBron, say, Ted, whatever, how are you doing? he can do something for you, which was amazing. I don't know. I wouldn't trust any, I wouldn't trust any local uh, hair plugs to try to piece that thing together. I just zoom it off. And then, uh, you know, makes it a lot easier in your morning get together too. <laughs> I think that's what I got to do. I'm thinking too much, uh, about it. Uh, but I'll bring it back to basketball with this question. So last week we were talking about the AAU, uh, circuit, uh, Matt's got a, a, a recently born son. You have a son that's coming up the ranks. Um, let's say that he wants to, you know, he really wants to become a good basketball player. Uh, would you be wary to put him into the AAU sort of circuit? Do you think that that system is broken or do you think there's still a lot to be gained from it? Well, you know, um, I, I think that there there are some improvements that can be made. I mean, I think that's obvious. I think, uh, you know, as a head coach, uh, I try to look at it and, and ask myself, you know, how can uh, how can the relationship with the AAU world, AAU world be beneficial to a high school coach and then vice versa? And I have a bunch of, of what I would consider friends in the AAU world and guys that run programs and coach. And, um, you know, I think there's a lot of good there. And I think sometimes AAU gets a little bit of a bad knack because of the bad ones. Because one thing that we've seen over the last 20 years is um, everybody makes a team now, right? Yeah. Everybody offers a team and it's become a financial investment for some mm. people as opposed to uh, an ability and a way to showcase players who are really interested at in playing at the next level. And so I think navigating those waters is a big challenge. And I think, um, you know, one thing we've done here is we try to really communicate with our parents and our players early about, uh, you know, the programs that we would get involved with if we were them, uh, what we, you know, the guys that we trust in that program, the guys that we think are doing it for the right reasons. And, and uh, cause there's a lot of, there's a lot of bad out there, you know, I mean, like I said, I, I think one of the things that I battle every day and, and is twofold one, everybody makes a team, everybody gets to play six games in a weekend, you know? So I feel like there's been this like devalued in winning that causes issues with kids. Sometimes you go to a weekend tournament in Fort Wayne, you're going to play six games. doesn't matter if you win, doesn't matter if you get beat by 50, you know? And so then they come back to us and it's like, Hey, there's a, there's a big emphasis on winning here. You know, I mean, yeah. uh, there, there's some, there's some important possessions that are going to really make a difference. And uh, so there is those, there is those challenges that, that you run into, but um, you know, I think from, from a recruiting standpoint, when you start talking about, 
you know, uh, Division Two, Division One players. Uh, I, I think it's I think it's an important piece of the puzzle. I do. I think college coaches have, you know, really found their their way of recruiting through AAU. I think they rely when they get serious about a guy. I think they rely on the high school coach and some of the thoughts there because that's you know that's a little bit more aligned with how they're going to be coached and play and demanded of things. But but I do think it's uh, you know it's an important piece of the puzzle, and I just think it's important to make sure that you do your research and your homework to find out. You know, is this going to be a good experience? Is this going to help my development? Am I going to play, you know, quality competition that's going to make me a better player for the season? And so, yeah, I mean, I, I learned a long time ago that, that complaining about it and being unhappy about it is irrelevant because it's going to be here. It's going to be a part of it. And I think, you know, just guiding your players into the right places with the right people is helpful. And, and uh, you know, learning what their goals are and what their ambitions are will help make those decisions. You know, if you want to play college basketball, then we need to put you in the right place and make sure that the right guys are working with you every day and, and that you're getting in front of the right people and not just wasting a lot of money. You know, I think that's, uh, those are the waters you got to navigate and, and you got to have enough people you trust in the AU, AU world that you can work with. Let, let me jump in here kind of along the same topic. I kind of uh, went on a little rant last week on our last podcast about somebody had sent me a tweet asking about a, a local program that had really been on hard times. And I couldn't comment specifically because I'm not there all the time, right? But my my comment was, Kyle, that uh, a successful varsity coach, whether it doesn't matter the sport, the key word is program, and they have to they have to put their program in place how they want it, and they have to put the time to you know to start with the third, fourth graders and really show your face, you know, in front of these kids so they can become future Rams. I mean, is, mm -hmm. is that part of your philosophy? And, and do you take it any further than that? No question. You know, and I think you could talk to a, a plethora of high school coaches and, you know, guys will have difference of opinions on what the right thing to do when you're, when they're young is. And, and um, when I was in Seymour, Indiana, I went and uh, I met with what I considered probably three of the, the best programs in the state of Indiana. Um, and I went and sat down with their head coaches and I just said, what do you do? You know, what is your, mm -hmm. what is your secret to building consistency? Because when I, when I look at, at this job here in Rockford, my goal when I got here was to, was to build a consistent competitive team, right? Like every year we feel like we're close. And then, you know, occasionally you get the right groups and the right mixtures, you can make a run. And so, you know, uh, what we really put an emphasis on is, is being able to, to provide like a, a recreational opportunity. You know, you get kids at a young age, like you know, we talk about Dan Hess at the beginning of this. I can remember Dan in seventh grade. He was like a deer on ice, man. I was like, this kid's never going to, he's never going to be anything great. There's no way. And, and all of a sudden, you know, with some time and some development and, you know, he caught up to his coordination a little bit and, I mean, you, you, you don't want to just focus too much on just the competitive travel aspect of this. You want to make sure you give some kids a chance in-house to continue to get better, too. And so, you know, what we've done is just try to build a combination of, of recreational opportunities. And then we, we have a travel program and then we try to kind of layer it. You know, we look at kids and we do say, hey, you know, right now you're in fifth grade. You're one of the best players. That's outstanding. And we think that you know, with eight or nine of our, our most talented kids at this age, we can throw them out there and go go play in competitive environments. You know, we want them going to, to Fort Wayne and Detroit and, and here in Grand Rapids, and we want them playing some big-time players because ultimately at this stage, that's what you're going to have to do eventually, you know. But we also have, like, second and third teams that that uh, we want getting a lot of experience and a lot of practice, and, you know, they'll play some more local competition, have some success, you know. And so, but, yeah, to answer your question, I just don't think you can do it I just don't think you can do it right and be consistent without having 
a, a, an impact at the lower levels, you know, and, and that's hard. I mean, as I've gotten older now with two kids and, mm-hmm. and a wife who's working, I mean, I can totally see how coaches get far enough into this thing and then they start to kind of let go of that part of it. That's the easiest part to let go because people don't, you know, people don't necessarily care or focus as much on that part of it as they do you winning at the varsity level. Right. But right. You know, deep down that for you to be consistent with that, you have to stay touch in touch there. You know, you have to go to the middle school game on a Wednesday night at 430 and let those kids see you. And I just got done doing a, you know, a kindergarten, first and second grade clinic for for four straight Saturdays in the middle of our conference championship run because my son wanted to go. You know, it's like <laughs> and and there were times I'd wake up in the morning and be the last thing on Saturday morning I wanted to do, you know, but you get there and you kind of see the the excitement, you have some parents come in and talk to you that they were at the game the night before. And I think that's important. You know, you want them to know who you are and you uh, we're starting to see, you know, the, the fruits of our labor from the first year I got here. Our, our seniors last year were the first group that we had in what we call the rock program that we're traveling and, and we're practicing and, and we were in touch with that part of it. And, you know, and I don't think it's coincidence that we've won back-to-back conference titles. I really don't. I think those players have come up and, you know, we've been in constant touch and communication with them and their families and watched them and traveled around to follow them. And, um, you know, I think that I think that's been a huge, huge advantage for our program. And, and uh, you know, I'm awfully proud of that. That's one thing that I am proud of, because we get we get these kids up to us. And by the time they get to us, they know us. Uh, they understand our expectations. You know, we're constantly feeding them ideas and ways to play, you know, like I. I think it's important just to tell your fifth grade coaches, listen, you're not going to go play a two, three zone in this tournament. It just, it just, we're not going to ever do that. That's not who I am. And as long as I'm here, it's wasting time for us to do that, you know? And so if you're not in touch with those things, you know, youth sports can go in a totally different direction and, and guys can be focused on just winning right now, as opposed to developing these guys long-term. So um, yeah, I think that, I think that's where you got to, that's where you make your money. That's where you build consistency with your program. And the guys that do that are the guys that are usually the most successful long-term. Yeah. I think the big word that you're throwing out is consistency. Like, obviously if you don't have that commitment to your program every few years, yeah, you're going to have some good players and you'll probably have some success, but you know, it, it's going to be a lot of ups and downs, but clearly, I mean, I would say from afar, there's a reason that you guys are having the success because you've got a great coach in yourself. You've got a commitment to the program. And then yes, you do have, you know, some good players. I think, I think having a, a commitment to the program from the top to the bottom is so big. If you want to have that consistency, like I said, uh, Kyle, maybe the last question that I have for you before, before we get you out of here, let you go enjoy your Sunday. Uh, someone, so I am down here at the sec network and one of the best coaches in the conference, Nate Oates, you know, he's now at Alabama. The question I have for you, so, you know, Corona down to Indiana, up to Rockford. I know you're very focused on Rockford right now, very focused on Rockford, yeah. but you, you got to answer the question. You know, you probably people, you know, bring it up to you. You're, you're young, successful. Nate Oates, just back in 2013, he was the head coach in high school at, at Romulus in, in Michigan. And, you know, he bounced over to Buffalo and coached at Buffalo for a few years. And now, like I said, he's at Alabama and he's, he's coaching one of the best programs in the country, not just in the SEC. Alabama is a, a really good program. Do you have any thoughts like that or, you know, with, with the young kids and you're, you're in a good community, you know, um, in Rockford, are you kind of focused on that or do you, do you kind of, the wheels start spinning you start thinking, you see people like Nate Oates making that jump and you kind of start thinking about that. You know, I think this is my 12th year now as a varsity coach. And I, I would say for the first, you know, five or six years, that was always something that was, that was a possibility for me, you know, something I would look at and say, man, I'd love to, I would love to get to there, you know, and, um, 
you know, but again, you mentioned that was, that was before kids, you know, I think that's one part of it. I think, uh, I'm really enjoying this part of my career with, with working with, you know, our high school kids. Um, it's such an, it's such an impressionable age. You know, we talked all about our experience and, you know, what John was, was able to do for us. And, you know, I, I really enjoyed that part of this. I, and, and when I started coaching, listen, I, I'm a competitive guy. You all know me well, it was all about winning. That was it, you know, and, I remember having constant conversations with, with my dad and different people and who had certainly older and more experienced and, you know, hearing stories about the relationships and guys coming back, you know, and, uh, you know, for me, that's, that's, that's where I'm focused at. I, I don't, I don't think I'll ever coach in college, to be honest with you. I, I just don't think that the transition there will ever be just maybe, uh, right for my family or I, and, and uh, this is, you know, to me, this is like a small college job. I mean, the expectations are as high as you're going to get at a college job. People here, you know, they expect to win. And um, the, 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 the class A basketball level is, is challenging and enjoyable to me. Like I told you, I mean, we're 18 and two and we got two teams this week that, my gosh, I haven't slept thinking about. You know, it's like so, you know, I see myself. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'll be a lifer or not, but I see myself continuing. My son has, has really taken a liking to basketball and sports. And like I said, being able to coach him and um, I, I can finally see, see those things long-term and, and, you know, I haven't played for my dad, those experiences uh, that that'll keep me, that'll keep me energized and keep me focused on continuing. And, you know, and then I'm motivated by trying to continuously, uh, you know, take this team to the next level too. You know, I mean, for me, we've had a heck of a couple of years here, but um, we still have a lot to prove, you know, I mean, you and I remember in 03 walking into that gym the next day and seeing all that Rockford orange. And so uh, for me, that's kind of my mountaintop is to try to get this team back to a place where every year we're not only a team that they're talking about winning the okay red, but a team that's, that's going to be state ranked and we're going to be a threat to make a run. And so I'm, I'm really enjoying that. And uh, you know, if something, who knows, you know, I, I think that you never know what's going to happen eventually, but I'm not going to go chase anything down like NATO. He's a heck of a lot more ambitious and energized than I am. So <laughs> kudos to him. He's done a heck of a job and I'm just really enjoying it. You know, I've been, I've found a really good place in my life and a really good place with our program here. And, and uh, hopefully we can just continue to make this a little bit better while we're here. Well, I got one final question for you, Kyle. Uh, you know, I'll bring it back full circle to this year's Rockford Rams, you know, 18 and two. Why don't you give us a little thumbnail sketch on, uh, uh, on some of your top players and, and what we can expect as you go into the tournament. We had three all-conference players this year. Our, our uh, three-year starter, Jack Lamacuza, he's a captain for us. He's averaging about 13 points a game. And then our point guard, um, who's who's only averaging about six points a game, but he's got five assists, two steals, just does a lot for us. And then we have a 6'6 junior, Caden Pokerzinski, who's probably the best prospect we've had since I've been here. I mean, he's the first kid, I think, since I've been here that we have He's a, he's a borderline Gliat kid, I think, in the long run, if he can continue to build. And um, But I think the thing about our team that's really made us special this year is, is our depth. I mean, we bring two kids off the bench, and uh, I was talking to a, a coach in our league about this, and he said, you know, what makes you guys so tough is you bring two guys off the bench that can get you 10 to 15, you know. And I think that's been a huge advantage for us is that our, our depth has really been able to kind of maybe wear some people down and we bring a couple of nice uh, scoring punches off the bench. And so uh, I hope that we can get to that this week. You know, I think our depth is going to be an advantage for us in these two games. Um, there's some serious firepower on the other sides of the teams that we're playing. But um, if we can roll out eight, nine guys and continue to, to be as uh, stout defensively as we have at times this year, you know, we're going to have a chance. And I think that, um, 
you know, that's, that's the, that's the neat part. And I was talking to our guys about that the other day. I said, listen, man, you guys are awfully lucky. This is, we're going to have two incredible opportunities this week and going to be two really, really good games. And, you know, hopefully we can just continue to do what we've done. They've surprised me all year. Uh, there's times where I, I feel like we get into halftime and I couldn't feel like we were playing worse defensively. And then all of a sudden at the end of the game, we've given up 49 points and they just, they just keep coming. So it's been a lot of fun. And I, uh, you know, as a coach, you just hope that you can do everything in your power to, to get them as close as possible. And then you guys know this, this time of year, it's about those players going out there and making plays and hopefully we can do that. You know, I mean, I think at the end of the day, it's been a successful season for us, but it sure would be some icing on the cake for us to go play well this week. I have to interject. I just have one more quick question for you, uh, Kyle. And I can't believe I forgot that this even happened. Um, earlier this year, you guys had an insane buzzer beater uh, where it basically oh. went viral. I loved it. Uh, yeah. Kid hit the shot. Oh, Sorry, yeah. I, don't, I don't have the name in front of me. The entire team basically sprints out of the gym. The entire <laughs> student section follows them out of the gym. What was uh, that like? And what was the locker room like after that? That was awesome. You know, and those are the kinds of things that this team has, has had, which is great. We've won some really close games. I mean, that one – what made that so amazing is that we were on defense with seven seconds to go tied and we got the turnover and the, you know, and the shot goes in and it's been one of those years, you know, I mean, it's been one of those special seasons with, with things like that go your way. And like I said, you need luck, you need luck sometimes. And that certainly was, you know, some luck to us, but it was neat. Our, our student section has been phenomenal all year. I think you've seen that across the state kids last year, couldn't attend games and yeah. the energy level in these gyms has been really cool to get back to and, um, so that was, that was awesome. That was a great springboard for us early in the year. I think it was an important win for us to, to keep building on. And yeah, it was pretty neat. And, uh, you know, it was awesome for, for, uh, Matt to have some connections there to help us get on sports center. Oh, and that's that right, yeah. So it was, uh, it was really cool, but it's been, uh, it's been a great year, a lot of fun. And, you know, I certainly wouldn't mind seeing one more of those buzzer beaters this week, as long as it was on our side. Amen. Well, look, uh, Kyle, we really appreciate you taking time. You know, we, uh, we do like to give a little extra Cavalier love every once in a while since we all uh, graduated from Corona, but we're pulling for you. We appreciate the time and uh, best of luck in the tournament, man. We'll catch, we'll uh, touch bases with you again down the road. Awesome. Thank you guys. It's always special. And I truly, this is, this is not a burden. This is a, a great pleasure of mine to be able to connect with you guys and love what you do. And, and uh, hopefully, yeah, hopefully we can connect again, maybe down the road and, and we'll keep an eye on Johnny's team over there too. And hopefully they can make a run as well. Awesome. Maybe maybe in a few weeks after a trip back to Breslin, right? That would be all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. Kyle. Take care, Thanks, man. Guys. All right, guys. That was a blast. Uh, you know, a great show. Talking with John Fattel, the head coach of the Freeland Falcons, and Kyle Clough of the Rockford Rams, obviously the Corona connection. Pulling for them. Getting ready for some great March basketball. About time, right? March basketball. Masters coming up in April. The weather's starting to break. This is awesome. So good show, fellas. Uh, and anybody out there listening, make sure you give us a follow at Three Point Pod. Let our partners know you listen in and enjoy the show. They include Pro Real Estate and Auction, Rivals Tap House and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, The Wash of Owasso, the ALS Association of Michigan, and Z92.5 The Castle. Speaking of The Castle, our game will have a doubleheader on Monday night. March 7th from Corona High School. It'll be 5.30 tip. Mount Morris taking on Owasso. We'll follow that up with a 7 o'clock game. Chessonine taking on the Corona Cavaliers. And both those games will be posted at the Three Point Pod site uh, the day after. So until next time, so long, everyone, and bye for now.
Hey gang, please consider a donation to the ALS Association Michigan chapter serving people with ALS and their families since 1988. There still is no cure for Lou Gehrig's disease and every 90 minutes someone is diagnosed with ALS. For more details, go online at webmi.alsa.org.